what's going on, friends and family? Thank you so much for watching Every Day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Hey, guys, we got another great day, another great show. What can I say? My next guest is an Army Combat National Guard and Air Force veteran who served his country proud. He has always had a passion for music and, ha and was in a band prior to joining in the Army, having to put his music on hold due to duty calls, but eventually would find himself circling back to music after getting out of the Air Force and attending college. He is making some great music. Let's meet Steve D. Wilson. What's going on, everybody? What up, brother? Hey, how you doing, my brother? Man, glad to have you on, brother. I, I've been uh, following you on Facebook, checking out your music, and, uh, man, becoming a big fan of yours. Brother, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been kind of a, a flood of, like, meeting a bunch of people all at once, which has been great. So it's uh, it's been awesome. Like, there was, there was feasted, and f there's feast a little bit now, and there was famine for a little while. So it's, it's great to be on the feast side of it all again. That's great, man. Well, hey, let's go ahead and get to meet Steve D. Wilson. Tell us about yourself, brother. Tell us, you know, what made you join the military and tell us about your military career and what you got going on now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, as we briefly talked about, you try we try to get it straight in the headline there. So I, I've had a pretty weird and eclectic life as far as the military is concerned because I was like the youngest of four boys. My dad was uh, 27 years in the Air Force. He uh, retired as a chief master sergeant down in Del Rio, and I was the long-haired kid, you know, rebellious type who was like, hell, I'm not doing the military, blah, 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 right? So <laughs> two years after I went to the University of Wyoming and kind of spun my wheels, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life because I was, you know, just barely making it through college, freezing to death, and in my infinite wisdom, uh, I answered a phone call from my uh, from a recruiter that my roommate had recommended my name to and uh, I made an appointment to go in that summer between my sophomore and junior year of college uh, like like half-heartedly like I didn't know if I was going to do it or not I was just like all right I'll go talk to the guy I mean I'm not loving life here in Wyoming and yeah God God knows I'll never be cold in the military right so <laughs> why not go talk to him so I go talk to the recruiter that summer and uh like within I was a week or two, a week I flew out to take my ASVAB test from Cheyenne to Denver. Uh, took my ASVAB, got, signed a contract after the physical for Army Airborne, and I wanted a Ranger contract. So I was like, if I'm going to go do anything, I'm going to do something you can't do on the outside. You know how it is, and something on the pointy end. And uh, they didn't have a Ranger contract that day, but they had Airborne 11 X-ray. So they said, okay, you can go to Airborne school, and then you can try to go to Ranger school. So I was 11 x-ray when I went in. They made me an 11 hotel because I guess I had a little higher ASVAB than the regular Army guys over there. They put a bunch of us, they called us the, I don't know, we were the, the big brain. We had like the 110 or one over 110 ASVAB score as opposed to anyone under that, which is nothing really, but it's something silly. You know, the delineating factor. We're going to make those guys hotels because they got super high-tech equipment. And it wasn't. But um, anyway, I was 11 hotel in the Army uh, at Fort Benning, or went to Benning and then went to Fort Bragg. And we did some stuff with the Marine Corps guys out there at Lejeune. Every year we did a thing called Semper Falcon. And uh, we'd go and see all the myriad of snakes over there up in North Carolina, uh, northern North Carolina, or coastal, I should say, North Carolina. 
and uh, got out of the army in 97 after doing a few things. We went to Egypt and Israel on MFO tour, uh, geared up, and you probably remember the Haiti incident uh, where we were about to go jump into Haiti, and and Jimmy Carter talked us out of that one, apparently. But we were uh, my they took my platoon and another platoon from our our company and secured us away sequestered us away as they do in an airfield in an undisclosed location to get ready to go do that and then they said just kidding you're not going to that and then we got geared up to go to bosnia and general joel on at the time after getting our mickey mouse boots and over whites and all the other stuff for bosnia they they said, never mind, we don't want, General Joel one doesn't like paratroopers, doesn't want fights over here, so never called that off. <laughs> and so that was good. I mean, I avoided two pretty weird, crazy conflicts in two really crazy parts of the world, but um, that would be later. I would get out of the Army uh, in 97, go back to college. Uh, I was in the Texas Guard. You see my animals? All of a sudden, they're like running around. Gosh, dang. Is that a cat or a freaking tiger? Wildcat, exactly. <laughs> He's found in a dumpster. He's a dumpster cat, too. So funny, oh, funny story. Cat, I'll tell huh? that some other time. Yeah. My, my son <laughs> took him out of a Taco Bell dumpster. Anyway, finished finish college uh, after getting out of the Army while I was in the Guard. I was in the uh, Texas National Guard, uh, 49 tests. And I decided I didn't want to be a... Um, we get down, dog. <laughs> I didn't want to be in the infantry anymore, I thought. And I so I took an admin assignment in the Guard for about six months. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to go to the infantry. And I found an infantry unit in Dallas. And I ended up finishing the rest of my Guard time with them until they released me to Air Force ROTC at North Texas. And so while I was at college in North Texas finishing up my degree, I got commissioned in the Air Force and then went to randolph and ended up ultimately in shreveport and b-52s and then my last assignment i taught uh in t1s at pensacola florida on a naval base and then that was in 2011 and i got out after 16 years uncle sam needed to get rid of two uh like a lot of aviators and that was low-hanging fruit so i got i got riffed for not getting promoted to major on my second board so, you know, I was what it was, and, and then from about 2012 to, old, you know, the last month till now, I've been kind of, I've had a myriad of other jobs, but I've always played music, and while I was in the Air Force, I had a band called the Black Doves that had some success, and um, so I was juggling a lot of things, family, four kids, uh, and then Air Force officer career, so needless to say, I didn't make life simple for myself back then. <laughs> By no means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Four but, kids, uh, that couple, says a yeah. lot. <laughs> and, and a couple of those, I mean, the first three were like bam, bam, bam. And then we waited a little while in between the last one, but not much time. And uh, and that was in between deployments, too. So <laughs> it, was, it was definitely a busy time for, for supporting the dudes on the ground up in the B-52 while they would let us until they decided they didn't want new capable bombers over there. Sent us home. Which is the B two is B one's there all the time too. I shouldn't not the B two. I didn't say that out loud, but the B one is is there all the time. Yeah, I worked at Northrop Grumman. We uh, they built the B two bomber. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, so then what? I, so tell us more about your music career, man. And 
So I, yeah, I was always, I've always been like since a little kid, I've always been enamored with music. I just, I think I came out of the womb loving music. My mom bought me like a, a Glenn Campbell, Rhinestone Cowboy was like my favorite song in the world when I was little, little. And so I got my first pair of cowboy boots and, and a, my first record. And I just kind of love music. So I, my brothers, you know, they were all playing with each other and they were out of the house by the time I was in high school. So, you know, music was the one thing I always had. And I always had big, cool brothers with lots of records and stuff to go through their music in addition to my dad and mom's record collections. And so I my mean, first band I put together when I was in high school, we were called Red October. That was in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh with a guy named Brian Lenishmit and Brian Baglow and Kelly Watson was Brian Lenishmit's cousin and he played bass. And so we had their family coming to watch us and we play shows like at the American Legion and we were doing Seek and Destroy covers, you know, covers of old Metallica songs and Megadeth songs, and, you know, metal. I was a big metal kid. And, uh, but then I also wrote like all these ballad, lovey, romantic, heartfelt songs. <laughs> Always, like even the metal kiddos, you know, people would make fun of the winger stuff. But I was like, winger's good, man. They write beautiful songs. <laughs> and, you know, I was also <laughs> the goofy kid. I felt a camaraderie with both the dorks and Beavis and Butthead and the next door neighbor who liked winner, winger, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, so I was always writing and then writing on acoustic guitar because there was acoustic guitars laying around the house that my brothers didn't play and because uh, they weren't really interested. And so like that became like a, the budding songwriter in me, I guess, that, that was inspirational to me through listening to this other music and having guitars around. And I, I kind of taught myself how to play and mimicked other bands and stole riffs and all that other stuff and tried to write songs and and I think I listen to my old shit now, and it's just like, oh, how good that's horrendous. <laughs> but it's kind of cool to also watch the progression of like, wow, look at all these opportunities I've got, and, and through meeting other musicians and cool people and all this other stuff. So, um, while I, to, you'd also get to see yourself like the growth of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And other people notice more than you i guess every the kind of commonplace i think for everybody but you're your own worst critic i think most musicians and people in general right who are like striving towards some perfection or whatever it is anyway um while i was writing through i wrote a little bit in the army but not that much mostly when i was getting out and while i was at north texas i started playing a lot around town just doing the four-hour bar cover shows you know playing cover songs and peppering in my originals in between there and that got pretty successful to the point where i would i didn't have to work i just that's what i did for money and the tips were really good and i was getting greater and greater salaries in the local bars but then i was like okay decision time and i had my commission coming up but I, there was a delay with my security clearance because my mom's British and my dad is American and my mom never, mm. you know, she never fully became a citizen. She was a citizen by marriage. And anyway, so things like, a little bit. decisions, decisions. Yeah. So I was like, do I stay and play music? And I talked to my dad, of course, what would a chief master sergeant say? But I was like, I think I might just deny my commission and play music. And he was like, no, you're not going to do that. Like, <laughs> How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to pay for rent? And I was like, 
I'll make music as a musician. <laughs> I think how ludicrous that sounds now in my head. So I get it. <laughs> and then I went into the Air Force. But anyway, when I was in the Air Force, I was still writing music, still recording music. I went back and forth between Denton and Shreveport because it wasn't that far. It's like a three and a half hour drive. And uh, I would still go there and record. I would still go there and play shows. And this was not easy on my ex-wife, obviously. And uh, and then when I finally got stationed in Shreveport, uh, or in, in Shreveport, I played with a bunch of my B-52 buddies in a band that we made up of all B-52 aviators because we deployed together. So we just took our instruments with us or used the MWR stuff that was out at deployment locations, you know. And... Uh, which was cool. So we played New Year's Eve parties, which led to playing bigger Shreveport events at the casinos and stuff like that. And but you know, it didn't really ever feel the need that I really wanted to like. I want a band that can play my music, or write together, and we'll record records together, and all that other. Go tour and play shows, man. I want to do that. And so I was, you know, trying to do the Air Force career, do you know, trying to be a dad, and and then I put together this band called the Black Doves. And we, I, I just was tenacious about like striving towards letting people know who the Black Doves were, and I didn't care. Like I would just be up in the DMs, like every producer that I thought was awesome or any PR person. I was like, "Hey, check us out!" And I just kind of forced myself upon a lot of these people. And so we had a little bit of success, you know. We, we were on iHeart Radio, and it was like the same time it was like the discover and uncover bands and we were beating like mumford and sons and a bunch of others we were number one and mumford and sons was like number eight and i was like yes, yes this is finally happening you know <laughs> nice and then i was kind of because you know yeah. i got stationed in pensacola and i had to leave my band and i was just kind of like starting over <laughs> And so anyway, I got out and I was determined to make this music thing work. So I did some solo stuff and then I got picked up through Operation uh, in Operation Encore. I got picked up by those guys as one of their first artists for their first project, and which was cool, man. It opened a whole bunch of doors for me because uh, and it was serendipitous the way it happened because my buddy from North Texas, who was the quarterback in North Texas at the time before he got hurt, his name's Jason Attaway, flew F-16s with the two of the dudes that started Operation Encore, one of the dudes, knew two of the, yeah, two of the dudes, and uh, and then I met the third dudes, because it's like Trio who put it all together, um, and he said, hey man, these guys are putting together a record, they already had a band, I don't know if you're familiar with their other band, like, it was very well known in the flying community called Dos Gringos. But they wanted to put together a respectable project that they wouldn't get kicked out of the military for their, you know, squadron commander knowing about. Kind of yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or project, I should say. So they put together Operation Encore, and uh, through Jason, I reached out to the, the founders of, of uh, Operation Encore, and they picked me up for the first record. And we flew out to Arizona, and recorded a song, one of my songs, and we oh, I think there were seventeen or nineteen of us. Damn cat. <laughs> Or 19 of us never do this either um recorded that record and then i recorded one song on the second record called the words uh that they put out and then i got to go and fly out to california um, in 2018 and record a record uh a five song ep at a studio out there um 
Adam Ross with a guy named Adam Rossi. And Adam plays piano on the new version, that version of Against All Odds that, that I just put out. So he's an amazing keyboardist and producer and like just amazing dude all together. So and he's been super supportive of Operation Encore. He's like the home ground studio for making so many of his records. I know you've probably talked to Shannon Book and like uh and a few of the other guys who have recorded in his studio i don't know if you met andrew wiscombe or steven uh, cavell or zach uh just a bunch of the all those names well yeah. see because i am a, a radio dj on gunroom radio yeah i mean i've played yeah. all of those you know everybody's music yeah. so yeah that's definitely familiar with that everybody and program. so you know what let's as you know as you're talking about operation encore Let's elaborate a little bit more about Operation Encore for the the list, you know, the people that are watching or listening in, sure. and kind yeah. of explain what Operation Encore is all about because what they do is quite amazing. Well, the the original mission of Operation Encore was to is to bridge the gap between civilian and veteran, and kind of let them know, you know, what do you you know? When I was growing up, I I was in a military family. Yet I knew very little about the military. I didn't know about the rank structure. I, and I just, we all have these stereotypical images in our mind about what the military life is like and what these people are like. And this is a soldier and he's like this mindless order taker who's there to shoot people, break and break their stuff. And, and yet you, you take for granted that these are, you know, your children, America's men and women who have feelings and, aspirations of their own and talents of their own and and so their goal is to like try to bridge that gap and let them see hey these guys are really talented there's some of these people are really talented people who have something to say and it's not just you know patriotic swill like propaganda music this is actually hard felt really good music and you know everything has its place so i don't mean to disparage that kind of music or anything uh but you know what I mean? It's not like bubblegum food for the masses. These people have something to say. And so they finance um, these, uh, all these activities, all these events. It started basically just, they were doing, you know, they put together these records themselves, flew everybody out to one location. We'd all stay in a house. They'd feed us and, and go to the studio, record our song in a really professional, nice studio. The first time we recorded, it was, uh, um, Curtis Grippy's studio out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and Curtis was in a great band called Dead Dead Hot Workshop in the eighties, nineties. Um, famous for being in a movie. Uh, I'll try to remember the name of the movie. Oh, something Records, um, Empire Records. They, they were in the final scene of that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. on the roof. So that's his studio, and I wish I could remember the dang name of the studio, but that's smoked and slept since <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll look it up and plug it later um, yeah, you're good, dude. <laughs> um, anyway and and so the opportunities like that that's how it started and they would have these showcases where they would finance the whole thing and so these guys came out of pocket to do all this stuff for a lot of like these veteran songwriters and artists and not only veterans it was open to um, anybody affiliated with the military a family so if you're a spouse or a military daughter or you know something like that you're eligible too so anybody who's interested it's operation encore.org i believe um and submit your music there's a submission link i believe on there um but for me they they basically like i said they flew me out to uh san francisco 
uh, put me up. I met Adam. I actually stayed at Adam's house in the guest room, recorded EP with these guys who were just this, we call them the Bay Area Wrecking Crew. And through the uh, chairman of the board, I think is Guy Jacquier. I think he's the chairman now. Um, through him and his contacts in San Francisco and the Sausalito area, we played shows out there and, and we recorded in that studio at Adam's studio called AR Audio on um, Napoleon Street and a uh, sweet little studio with uh, just these amazing local musicians. Um, Kevin Thomas Wade, uh, uh, Vicente uh, Rodriguez, I'll take everybody's name, and James DiPrato. Um, and they recorded this amazing music and you know all i had to do was like just show up and sing i didn't have to play guitar it was like <laughs> i'll just show up and sing and then i felt you know kicking myself as i listened to it again like i could have done that better i could have done that better you know it's like you didn't even have to play guitar man you could have done that better but again own worst enemy sometimes but anyway back to operation on course mission they were, they've done that now for like multiple artists and it's gone from just recording them in a studio to like songwriter night events at the bluebird cafe in nashville and, and connecting people with like jewel kilcher's dad at Ats kilcher's uh, uh he has a nonprofit up in alaska and flying people up there for that event and connecting with zach brown camp southern ground to do uh, songwriter events there now annually and so they're they become kind of a an awesome conduit to like I said, not bridge. I don't want to reuse their mission statement, bridging the gap, but they're definitely offering a lot of amazing opportunities to veteran and, and veteran affiliated artists. So uh, it's definitely nothing to sleep on. If I were a budding songwriter, I would definitely be submitting my original music to them. For yeah, sure. I know. And I do know that it's like, I think they can only take so many at a time, right? Because I think they right. say like three Just, a year or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, Budget-wise, now they're spending so much money on these individuals, and it's awesome. Yeah, so they can't take a lot of people, but it's also open to every. It's not just country music or songwriter, singer-songwriter, Americana stuff. It's open to all all genres, too. So Right, and I know right now it's primarily yeah. kind of country rock kind of yeah. right now. I, yeah, but I do know that they are trying to push for other genres, right? I mean... Yeah, I think it was just based on the limitations of the studios they were using, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Where you know, it's, we can only we can only go focus on so much at one time. And it was like I said, three dudes running it at first, so they didn't even have a board for quite a while. They're just like three Air Force officers. Now they're and mostly retired or in the reserve regard, but still professional, like O six types and above now, because they were sixteen drivers, so. Yeah, Donald Dunn had someone on his uh, podcast, uh, Two Drunk Dudes in a Gun Room. He had one of the guys from uh, uh, Operation Encore because they basically got helped him get the gun room radio going. And oh, right so, on. you know, yeah, that's why that. there is a um, Operation Encore dedicated just like a whole hour or so um, dedicated to you know, Operation Encore. And... Um, I do know, you know, I, I did hear some, you know, cool stuff on that actual podcast that they are going back to the board and talking about uh, uh, possibly sponsoring the Gunroom Radio so that way they can go out 
get that second there's a second uh, license that we're trying to go out there and get so we're that it can expand on the library and all That'd the uh, songs that we can play so and uh i think um you know we may hear some good news from that as a short so good good awesome. yeah it's a day for that man it's been a good day i, I gotta I talk to the i spoke about uh camp southern ground earlier i, I got a had an interview today with Megan over there and, and it looks like I'm going to their their songwriter uh, it's called uh, Warrior Song so Warrior Song on uh, over uh, for a week over uh, Veterans Day so that's a camp they, they they did last year and it was all Operation Encore people last year where they flew out for the week and did activities and songwriter stuff and life building stuff and veteran specific camaraderie stuff and and so i'm going to both warrior song and warrior week at zach brown camp southern ground this year so pretty exciting and uh all that's happened within the last 30 days so and today alone this is your my second like conversation on my computer ever (laughs) in today (laughs) we're both of them that's outstanding though i mean that's got to be great man i mean I know, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, in the music industry, uh, there's a lot of competition out there. It's not, you know, easy. And uh, that's one thing I do appreciate with, the, like, the Gun Room Radio, too, is uh, it's another opportunity to get people's voices and a lot of musicians heard. Because, I mean, it's not always easy to get your music played on the radio sometimes, so. Um, no, not at all, you know. And I, I used to, I even, we had, I had connections when I, I lived in Dallas up until, well, Dallas area, Denton. When I got out of the Air Force, I ended up like coming back to Texas. That's where my wife was from, to the Dallas area, and pretty much stayed centered to that area or down here in Corpus Christi since. But um, I ended up moving back up north because my kids are up there near to be closer to them, and kind of got rent locked in to living in Denton, like a, a a block away from my old like college apartment so it was like the most depressing situation in the world <laughs> like to walk by my old college apartment all the time and like be a starving musician and like to relive that like i'm still eating ramen like here i am near my old college <laughs> eating ramen doing the same thing dude your life has not changed <laughs> like <laughs> anyway oh, but it dude. got better like i moved down here uh in march and things were like 100 million percent better and then all of a sudden all this stuff's happening too so it's like i'm back i feel like i'm back in the center of where i should be because for a while i was up there like just on the struggle bus i should say, I hate to say that but yeah it was awful i'm pretty sure I, I paused this but people are calling me anyway i put it on do not disturb and they're disturbing me. <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? Well, hey, let's uh, let's listen to uh, your song "Against All Odds." Let's go ahead and listen to this. And, uh, right on, everybody, go out and support Steve. He's on Spotify, yes. Apple Music, all those platforms. Go out there, download the song, put it on your playlist. Let's listen to "Against All Odds" by Steve Wilson. And just to quickly say, you have to do. Oh, I'll tell them later. Uh, okay, you want me? Okay. 
I was going to say, just to tell them next time, um, if they search for Steve D. Wilson, that's why I use this stupid D. It's just because there's a sax player named Steve Wilson, and then there's a dude in a band called Porcupine Tree named Steve Wilson who's an amazing guitar player, but they'll never find me if they don't look for the D. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there is more than, yeah. That's why yeah. I use it. Wilson is kind of a popular last name. Yeah, it's like Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, here we go. Thanks, brother. Can you hear it? Yeah. How can I just let you walk away? Just let you leave without a trace. When I stand here taking every breath with you. You're the only one who really knew me at all And how can you just walk away from me When all I can do is watch you leave Cause we've shared the laughter and the pain We've even shared the tears You're the only one really knew me at all so take a look at me now there's just an empty space there's nothing left here to remind me just a memory of your face take a look at me now there's just an empty space You coming back to me Is against the odds And that's what I've got to face I wish that I could make you turn around Turn around and see me cry There's so much I need to say to you So many reasons why you're the only one who really knew me at all so take a look at me now there's just an empty space and there's nothing left here to remind me just a memory of your face take a Just an empty space And to wait for you Well, that's all I can do And that's what I've got to face Take a good look at me now Cause I'll still be standing here And you coming back Take. I like how you did that right there. Take a good look at me now. Great right there, is Steve D. Wilson, Against All Odds. Great song, dude. You did a great job with that. 
Thank you, brother. Yeah, I got to give props to Adam as well. That's Adam there making me sound good because that kid is an amazing musician himself <clears throat> without any help from me. <clears throat> but it was cool because it was, it was one of those songs, man. I, I always loved it, and I sent it to – I probably me sent too. it to my girlfriend when I was 12 or something. <laughs> yeah, right. She broke my heart like, I love you, though. Yeah. <laughs> So, Take a look at me now. Exactly. Between that yeah. and when doves cry, it's like I just probably can't do when doves cry justice, but I'll try against all odds. See if I can do that one. Did so no prince. Thank you, man. Yeah, love Thank it. You. So yeah, man, take us down a road of like, you know, putting together your songs, making your songs. Do you you know, how does that all come together for you right now? It's funny. Most of the time, I, I write lyrics. I think in lyric. Like I'll be out walking the dog, and I'll come up with a line, and it's a line in the song. So I'll try to jot it down in my phone notes on my phone. But um, and then I'll go. I'll try to. I'll make a whole song of it. Like to a point where I either have verses or I have what I think is a chorus, and then I'll kind of make the music and build it around that kind of. So that's the foundation of it most of the time. But every now and again, like lately, I've been dabbling in like just setting a going into like on my iPad. I'll use I use GarageBand for pretty much writing most of my stuff to lay down this, the initial stuff before I go to the studio or end up just producing it myself. But um, I'll lay down. Oh, lately, I've been like putting down a beat, just picking a tempo and then getting a drum beat and making a drum pattern that I like that's good for a verse and then switching up the drum pattern for the chorus. I'm kind of writing that way, like just starting like foundationally building drums and putting a bass line to the drums. And it's kind of, it's, it's beneficial. It's cool. It's like teaching me how to better produce and make songs. But I feel like I keep creating the same song to my own ears. I'm like, how many so you're making the, yeah. the lyrics more or less to the, you know, to actual, the song itself. The music that yeah, I've written. Music, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And which I, you know, I guess it's a more realistic attempt to write a song as it would, as you would in like uh, Nashville with other writers or whatever. You know, you're going to build it with music first and then kind of get the lyric guys in there to help write the lyrics. But I don't know. It's not like I'm, I'm purposely trying that to learn. It's just like, uh, let's try it this way. Let's see, do something differently and see what shakes out kind of thing. And and I I am like, I'm like one of those chefs that you don't, want to leave alone in the house that has all sorts of spices because i want to try everything out and like, <laughs> taste it man. so that's me with effects and, and musical instruments and like if you don't you know if you leave me alone with too many musical instruments in the studio the next thing you know you're gonna get a symphony because i'm like oh, what's this sound like what's this sound like <laughs> yeah put it so all like, together dude yeah <laughs> exactly so i just wrote a song like that the other day that had no I had no concept of where it was going when I sat down. I was just recording these little guitar hooks to a drum beat. And then I discovered a Chinese instrument. I don't even remember what it's called or Japanese instrument. I see I'm showing my ignorance. But Koto, I think it's a Japanese instrument. And I found this little cool. Ooh, how does that sound when you play E chord? Oh, that's cool. That goes with that. That goes. So I ended up making, making, making this whole song like probably 27 tracks right now but it's called lost in tokyo and i gotta keep going and remixing it now because now it's like there's so much going on it's like 
97 <laughs> cacophony of the cacophony of sound but <laughs> but that's me again too many spices in the kitchen man i get a little carried away but you gotta you gotta you know i guess you gotta variety is the spice of life sometimes you gotta figure out what's what right yeah, man, and every, you know, shit, what works for you may not work for the next person next to you, but it works for you, right? Seems to always be the case, too. Like, with, like the songs I expect to be least popular end up being most popular. It's like, really, that's the one you're listening to? I thought <laughs> Yeah, it's, she, that's, you always think that when you do something. <laughs> and then, yeah, it just, how'd, yeah. That, how'd that one get so, so popular? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that song I just you just played, like uh, twenty five hundred views on YouTube right now in the last like twenty one day or twenty days that it's been on there, which is like the words is my other song as the most. That's like thirty five hundred, and that's like been six years or something in there. So it's yes, like almost dang, surpassed yeah. it, but it's because it's you know Phil Collins. That's why. So, but. You know, you do a number one song, cover somebody number one song, you're bound to get a little attention. So hopefully that'll be, you know, at least people getting to the to those DSPs as they call them, digital streaming platforms, and, uh, and getting to dig in, maybe check out a song or two, or or follow or whatever. Which is nice. It's it's definitely added some visibility at least. And yeah, YouTube's I mean, great about analytics. With yeah, they really are. They really are. With this environment too, you got to capture these people within a few seconds, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they'll they'll move on to the next if they they don't like something real quick. Yeah, man, TikToks and reels and all that stuff is is kept. It started with I'm telling you, it started with VH1 pop up video. That was like <laughs> that was the precursors. <laughs> Because VH1 was like TV for the attention deficit, and it just got shorter and shorter and shorter and smaller and smaller. That's it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the things that a phone can do now. It's scary. Kind of is. I was out the other day, and a buddy of mine, Chris, we were at a local bar in the corner, and he was like, yeah, I think I need to go back to another bar. And I was like, well, what's up? What's going on there? He's like, I forgot my phones in my apartment. It's just that we wanted to go to the bar across the part street from his apartment, just so we could be close to his phone. I was like, "Does it matter if you're like this far away or this far away?" And he ended up going back there and staying for like five minutes, and he left. And he was like, "I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette." Boom! I never saw him again. Going out for a pack of smokes. Electronic <laughs> leash, man. Legit. Yeah. <laughs> Can't help it. I get it totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, everybody. I mean. It's amazing to me how we made it without them. <laughs> I guess they let kids have them in basic now or something at a certain point. Because how do they survive? I don't know. I couldn't have gone eight weeks. Or yeah, they definitely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that works. I I don't know. I mean, I I know in the Marine Corps there was, and I, I mean, I imagine stuff changed. I mean, I went in two thousand, so yeah, I imagine it's changed quite a bit, but. When I went in, we had like four hours of freedom on Sunday, and it was like you go to like you go to your church, or yeah. you could read the paper. You got to go, go to out church. to the wash. You got to go out to the wash rack and wash your camis literally by hand, scrubbing with some. I doubt they do that now, but be, I don't know. I don't. I'd have to ask. I got some buddies still that are yeah, active in there. 
I'd have to have to ask them like, how much have they changed? Do you, or do they got like a like a laundry service nowadays? Hand you your little laundry bag. See, we used to have those little um, white laundry bags. You put all your stuff oh, yeah. in it, tie it, and then the way they would do it is just like throw it all in a washer and then give it back to you. And then it, it, and you'd have to either it depend on how, like how bad they were if they had us go out to the wash rack too. I mean, it was depending on the drill instructors. Or it was like, yeah. or just throw it all into one thing and then throw it in, and then it comes back and I yeah. mean everything I is all, all miscolored and <laughs> just love to make you look as hideous as possible, man. Peacekeeping mission, they they would boil your laundry in Egypt. You'd get it back with all the little stickers on it with a number. Like years later, you'd be peeling all those stickers off the back of your collar. <laughs> yeah, they boiled it. They just boiled it. It was gross. Boiled it in lie, probably. Like all your shit would be faded. <laughs> like, like, I just oh, bought this shirt. <laughs> it, the temperature killed it all. No worries. It's, it's just a sobbing. To bit, you know, the water's not been changed, and who knows how many times. <laughs> from all the dead bodies floating downstream, and it's, it washes. It has a certain acidic uh, quality. No worries. It's it's over a hundred and twenty degrees. It kills everything. <laughs> it's red seawater. It's fine. Right. Good yeah. Shit. Oh man. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. So, man. Yeah, dude. So, tell us more. Like, what is the vision for you and your your music, man? Do you what do you got going, and where do you see yourself going with this, or what do you well, want to go with it? I'd be in perfect world, man. I'd go. You know, at the end, of, I'd be traveling around the world playing music. I, I never cared about like you know being in the penthouse of some hotel, you know, and having tons of people partying back in the green room or shit like that. I never cared so much about that stuff. But like the moment you step on a stage in front of a bunch of people, that's just kind of that's where I feel like super alive. So in a perfect world, I'd be doing that like as much as possible. I'm not one of those guys who wants to go out on tour and play that every night of the week, you know. That would suck, especially at 51. But to be able to do events and things where you're going to bring people joy, that'd just be awesome, you know. Now it's not so much an ego-driven thing as it, you know, I think I've, that's I want to say get gotten past the ego part of it because I think being a musician, you kind of never do, I don't think. I I don't know, to a degree. But... um, as far as playing, like being on a stage, you go and watch shows, you're always going to say, I'm better than this guy. I think I could do better than this. You know, hopefully you do that or you'll be driven to stay home and do nothing on the couch all the time. But um, my point, I guess, was you kind of, as you get old, you know, you get that wisdom and, and that, you know, maybe I'm not going to be on the front cover of Rolling Stone anymore. And probably that's not such a bad thing because I don't think I'd be on I want to be on the cover of Rolling Stone in 2023 <laughs> no thanks but no man because it sets you up for a whole slew of things yeah, exactly and you see what a dirty sets you up just to get canceled here. yeah exactly <laughs> just because people love to watch people fail and it's become that society right everybody loves to watch each other fail yeah, it's, it's sad, man. Uh, people aren't happy for others anymore. A lot of people uh, just want to come and, and pee all over your parade 
yeah. you know, or make a comment on something or, or say something negative to you. It's like, hey, listen, I wasn't here doing that. Why do you want to bring that? You know, yeah. this, it wasn't even invited. But people just want to go out of their way nowadays and, and, and say whatever they want to say. Cause, and, you, and you can just tell those are like the miserable people in the world, though, man. They're just yeah. out to make every miserable, you know, miserable loves miserable. You know? Misery company, misery business. Yeah, man, and people, it's addictive. I mean, it's like Jerry Springer society now to the point where everybody's just like special, feels with a platform and needs to voice their worst complaints. And most of the time they're just like the same petty complaints everybody's always had, but not to the point where they felt like they needed the world to accommodate them in their complaints like their complaint took precedence over everything else because they feel a certain way, I guess. Like everybody's yeah, got feelings, man. Everybody's well, the got unfortunate feelings. thing is, is that everybody wants to complain, but they don't want to have a solution. It's like, yeah, well, you, yeah, know, exactly. uh, you know, why complain about something? Make a solution to it. What do you got better? I mean, you don't like something? There's a solution for it. And I mean, living in the the land of the free, you know, we can, we have the opportunity to do things, change things, you know, or say things nowadays, but people just like to, to complain or, or not be happy with the situation. Yeah. Like. Well, venting feels good, right? I mean, we're doing it a little bit now, but the truth yeah. of the matter is, is in the day, sure, you have feelings, but your feelings take precedence over nobody. So you, you you're the only one ultimately in control of your own feelings. I mean, you right. personally, uh, me, everybody. Um, and I had some, I was going somewhere with this and then I just, pew, um, Oh, but you know, you and I and dudes like us and who are veterans and women and, and, and or people who have served in a professional capacity in that way, I guess I should say. But specifically, I say veterans because the military, you have standards and the standards are adhered to and those standards are expected. And you expect the people that you work with to be professional and and rigidly adhering to those standards, or at least adhering to the standards enough to get the job done and complete whatever mission is, right? But when you get out in the civilian world, when it it's not even this insane like you know you barely never run into or almost never run into that situation like in the civilian world where everybody is like working at their highest standard and all have a shared vision and and are professional you know you always got slackers and people who get over on each other and like the dudes who never showed up for the group project in high school and college and still got the credit for the work and and like like I said, like before things got even more insane and divisive on TV and, and in the news and on social media and all that other stuff as it is today, it was hard enough to, to figure shit out. <laughs> it's like now, it's in the midst of all this chaos, I think the only answer truly is to just shut it all off and shut out all the noise. Get to know your neighbors, man. Talk to it. Talk to each other. Just, Ooh, if you listen to the news, everybody wants to hate each other and we want to set each other on fire, right? But it's not what I experience when I go outside. I don't know about you. No, so, yeah, what's the lot truth? Of things, a lot of things are just, you know, put in place to create division amongst us, dude. You know, I've For really sure. been coming to that level. And as I've, I don't know, 
don't know if I had an epiphany or something, but it's really dawned on me lately just about religion, politics, race, countries, states, all that. Like how much hate and division a lot of that creates. And it's like, oh, if we don't like have a problems enough, let's create something else, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, for you real. know, a lot of people think it's other people's responsibility to make them happy. It is no one in the world's, you know, it's not your responsibility to make me happy, and it's not my responsibility to make you happy. You know, and uh, I think that we've come to that world where everybody's kind of expecting, like, well, you need to make me happy. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's not the pursuit. The happiness isn't guaranteed to you in the Constitution, my friend, or the Declaration. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not happiness. So that's what people got to get straight, man. You have the pursuit of happiness that's guaranteed to you, not happiness. It's up to you to make the happiness. You got to seek it. Yeah. I think, you know, relationship-wise, when you're young, you go into it, like, feeling that way. But now it seems like people are taking all the feels that they have for relationships and interpersonal relationships and they're applying to the professional and and public world and it's like sorry it just doesn't work that way you can't have the same expectations as you would as a partner you know somebody you're with it's just the world's not that way sorry you know you're not gonna have somebody who's gonna coddle you and and say your feelings are okay and give you a big hug when you want to cry and because you got passed over for a job you know the world doesn't care about any of that stuff but that's what people want before they want to be coddled by their by their world as they are i think a partner anyway that's too philosophical for me today <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. What, what the hell were we talking about <laughs> <laughs> we'll go Music right back where it's yeah. going yeah yeah exactly hopefully not there just get me off of talk shows that's for damn sure but <laughs> Yeah, I just want to play, man. I want to play events. Like right now, I'm not playing a whole lot of events. I'm writing a lot of events. But future-wise, what I see is I'd like to open a studio and, and like be able to produce other veterans and other bands, like other budding songwriters, without like the business, the music business aspect of like people trying to take advantage of people. You know, I just want to be able to help mofos out. Shark Tank, and be the man. dude, yeah, that I always wish I would have had, you know, along the way until like groups like Operation Encore and Guy and those guys came along. And uh, I think that's kind of the, the community mission of music. I, I think I wrote the other day, I wrote a post about music as a community, not a contest. And that's another one of those epiphanies of wisdom you come across when you get older. It's like, why the hell? entering battle of the bands and all this other shit watching my buddies successes and all this other shit and then measuring it against my own because that's not the way it works man it's that's just as in life it's not a contest yeah say that one more time what you said i like that saying the music is a community not a contest yeah because i mean i feel like that's the same thing even in the veteran community even with a lot of the non-profits and and some of those sure. people, they start to get and pin up against each other. Like, yeah. one mission, man. Don't worry, you know, in the, just because your community kind of is like someone else's community doesn't mean that they don't. There's like the way people can fit in all these different communities. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be just yeah. your 
community. Yeah, exactly. Click when it gets clickish and like right. Things, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. Like people get protective and like proud about certain. You know, who cares? It's like we're all trying to do the same thing for certain people, and that's what music is. We're all trying to do the. We're all trying to turn people on by making them happy or feel a certain way. It's all a musician's job is. And what we're ultimately all seeking is like this harmony, right? That's what we, we all strive towards is harmony. And you want to play a show with people you're harmonious, harmonious with, like you get along with. And that's the goal of the military. Like when you think about it, like your whole job was to create harmony in your unit and make everything work, you know, in symbiosis and work together and get the job done. Same with music, man. It's all we're trying to do. So this whole, but that they know the powers that be, the guys who are in control of all this stuff know like how to how to motivate you with number ones and gold records and oh, you were on the charts <laughs> for fifteen weeks exactly. Yeah. So next time you have to try to make it to twenty weeks, and and so you watch these documentaries about artists later and how you know they had these 10 record deals and got screwed out of all their money because they were pressured into releasing all these records and that became their whole life to beat these goals because they had that dangling carrot over the top and like if you just reach this in the contest of life you will be yeah, happy they're getting flashed that money like you know yeah yeah and that's definitely what musician in the music world is all about like we're kids. We watch these music rock stars, and, and it's kind of the age of the rock stars over to a degree. But now it's like the age of the influencer. Like same thing. Like you get this idea as you're a kid, like that's success. Like to have that stuff, all that materialistic shit that you live and have and lose. Sometimes when you do lose it, you're like, oh, yeah, it didn't make me happy after all. Huh? I'll be damned. It is kind of a false narrative, you know, that is put on the culture in in a lot of generations. They see this, they see something, and they only see. And what what the other part that they kind of fail to remember is like you're seeing tidbits of people and their, you know, spurts in time. Some of them you're only seeing fifty fifteen seconds of them. You know what I mean? And they're just booming. But you don't know on the backside what their lice and everything else that's going on. But they're willing to praise them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rest assured, there'll be like a Netflix documentary about what a swindle they pulled on everybody later, of course. But yeah, exactly. This comparative life that we do on social media and just, you know, it's always been done. The Jones is keeping up with the Joneses concepts. Oh, my neighbor's got a new Cadillac, so I have to get a Cadillac too. My neighbors have a new lawn guy who's making their lawn look super manicured with Kentucky whatever grass. So my grass is ugly. I need to get greener grass. And then yeah. uh, we ask ourselves, well, why do we got so many mental health problems? Well, we put so much pressures on ourselves. Yeah, we as human beings have just a man, you know, managed to put so much pressure on ourselves and continue to do so that we're like all mental cases you know what i mean walking around uh the place you know or or at least some people will say that they are yeah well absolutely and you know we make fun of of mental health we and you know even when we were like coming up you probably got a little better when you came in but in the 90s late 90s 
or early 90s, rather, I should say, you know, you, I'm sure it wasn't any better because in the early 2000s, it was still the same. You talked about mental health. Somebody's got to go to the mental health and like the dude's nuts. And I can't remember what we called it, but there were derogatory terms about getting going to having to go talk to the mental health folks. Oh, yeah. No. It totally. And once you got that stigma attached to you, are like, yeah. Yeah. Don't want don't to. It was like, that, uh, that here's that a case. straw. Here's a straw. Go suck it up. You know what I mean? That's yeah, how it used exactly. to be back in the day. And drive on. But see, drive I, on. It, but the problem, but the, where I think things are going is the penalty is it's starting to swing so far to the exactly. right. Exactly. They're going to stop exactly. taking it serious again, and then you're going to have the people that have real serious issues not being taken serious because everything's convoluted and everybody's just they're like you know. Uh, they're failing in class. Well, I got, I got middle. I, I, it's like I, I can't. And why? Because they got to go to class. You find out they got to go to class, and and it's too hard. Like that's like in life. You know what I mean? We can't. It, there's some things in life that are part of our culture that we have to kind of live through, but we can't sit there and always say, you know, have a have something to excuse yourself from it. Like, well, I can't do this because I I just can't. You know, that's when right. it starts to get too much, you know, or yeah. something. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's well, like to, you're saying, the, the pendulum. The pendulum is definitely swinging, like, in a crazy direction now. And sometimes I think that's intended, like, because they're trying to get it to swing farther back the opposite direction because people are just getting so horrified with the way things are. They're like, oh, we can't do this anymore. And people tend to be reactionary rather than, you know, think forward and think about why they're doing stuff rather than reacting to uh, what stuff is going on but um yeah like the crazy that we see right now and the excuse making and all that other stuff like just to excuse laziness and and mental health is i mean when the when people who are obviously have mental health issues are celebrated as like champions of certain things and like the emperor has no clothes situation where everybody's just like yeah like like super huge unhealthy fat people like yeah you go girl more power to you kind of that's when things get dangerous and the pendulum has swung a little too far to crazy that i think you have to worry that you know the opposite becomes true and then people start becoming food nazis and go the opposite direction where super skinniness and you see these actresses on tv like oh my gosh you look like a skeleton what is going on in hollywood where you are required to look like a skeleton now these days um so that's just one example of how crazy the polls tend to swing lately and i think in politics and all things you know being a microcosm of society in general that well, the, we're going to keep seeing these pendulum swings as they continue to drive this division. And, and it's like I said, the only the only way to stop the noise is to just turn that shit off and disengage. But man, it's so hard to do when we're in this electronic world where we're tethered. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. legit. A, a lot of people, uh, I know, even myself. I mean, you leave your phone somewhere, you're like, oh shh, where did I leave my phone? You know, or something, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely. I think we've become very dependent upon our our technology. Yep, and you know, like they're wondering why everybody's walking around depressed. Well, 
our one accepted drug is a nervous system depressant, <laughs> like our most yeah. publicly accepted drug, alcohol. You know, we can all drink and drink this nervous system depressant and wonder why everybody's depressed. Maybe yeah. it's because you're drinking all the time that's making you depressed. I don't know. But I can say that it affects me negatively. Like I, I have noticed in my my older age that when I drink, I get, you know, the Tuesday, Monday sadness if I drink on a Friday or Saturday night. And so that's one, again, one of those little tidbits of wisdom that you don't pick up on until, you know, you start to know yourself and experience a little bit later in life. But, you know, in the military and in the music business, drinking is part of the culture. It's like, it's what you do. You work yeah. hard, you play hard, you party hard. So, again, we don't do a whole lot for our own mental health in that respect but you know we, we get accustomed to drinking and kind of like it so it's not to say was i'm a teetotaler by any means you know obviously you're a big giant hypocrite but i say we don't do ourselves a lot of favors a lot of times either <laughs> right so what do you get yourself in the works man do you got any any songs any events you got anything going up and coming you want to talk about um well i have like i've just been writing lately I, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to my other band matt black i put out a project called matt black about 2021 22 so i was I gonna ask you yes because okay so you are yeah. you are matt black then okay because yeah. yeah yeah i've been playing them all, yeah dude I, all right okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude i love yeah i've been playing them a lot on gunroom radio Right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I threw that while well, during COVID, you know, during that, uh, I was going through that time where I was, I was like, just mad at the world, dude. I was fucking angry. And I'm just like, how can I put all this in some f form that's productive? And, and so I wrote all those songs over the course of my, you know, from my divorce and through COVID. And I went into the studio in, in Denton, Texas with a guy named Eric Delgard who owns the studio and he's a great producer. He's got a Grammy, but it's for a crazy uh, Dallas or Denton band, polka band called uh, Brave Combo. So weird to have a Grammy for polka, but, you know, you take what you get, <laughs> man. I'll take a Grammy and whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Shush, dog. Um, and I, he's like, uh, I used one drummer and that drummer just, it wasn't the right fit. And he said, dude, I have a suggestion for you for a drummer. He goes, my buddy, um, Matt Thompson uh, will come in here. He's a drummer from North Texas. And I don't know if you know who Matt Thompson is, but you know who King Diamond is? Metal King nah, Diamond. Nah, nah. Upside down cross on his forehead, like painted face King Diamond. He used to be in a band called Merciful Fate in the uh, 90s, 80s and 90s. Like satanic metal, like theatrical shit. And Matt is like this jazz trained drummer that can play, you know, seven, eight, beat, you name whatever beat in the world and he'll play it for you and explain how it's played and how to play it right. I'm going to kill my dog. <laughs> and, and so he's that good, but he's also in this crazy satanic metal band, touring band. I say satanic, but just as the imagery and, you know, Kings, King lives in Dallas. I'm pretty sure he's not a Satanist, but his music is dark and crazy metal. But he came in there and he just. He was perfect for every song. He gave me like, I did 11 songs and he did like a couple different options for the songs on a few of them. And, and so we, I, all I had to do at that point was, you know, I sat in and recorded with him on the drums. I just played a scratch guitar and did a vocal track over the top of that while he played the drums. 
And then we picked out which the best drum tracks were for those 11 songs. And then uh, a guy named Darren DeShazo from Denton, also a North Texas train guy. Uh, I think they're they're both um, composition degree holder majors from North Texas, so the jazz school. And his guy's amazing. He's a crazy good guitar player. And if you see videos of him, he's almost like not at all what you'd think of as this metal guitar player. He looks like a professor. Like he looks, he's an inventor <laughs> on the side, and that's what he looks like. He looks like this professor inventor, but he's this guitar wizard. And he just came in there and laid down all those guitar tracks. And then Eric Delagarde played bass, and I went in and did vocals on all those songs. And and it came out as like this great concept. And I had my buddy Cole Eckenstein, uh, my best friend from Great Falls, Montana, where we were stationed when I was a kid. And when my dad was at Malmstrom, I had him do all the artwork and all the graphic design stuff for it. And I, but I didn't have, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I didn't know if it was going to be my own band or if it was going to be a Black Doves project because I toyed with the idea of releasing another Black Doves album. But I was like, no, it's not the same members. It won't be the same. And, I, and I'll explain that. And it didn't really matter. But I think I felt like the Black Doves had had their time in the sun and it was time to do a new project and start from scratch and see where it went. So I put out the album as Matt Black and I bought the URL whoismattblack.com. So I figured like, who is Matt Black? Is it a band? Is it a person? To pique that curiosity. And, it, you know, it hasn't gained a whole lot of traction over the last year that it's been out, but I'm really, really proud of that record. Like from start to finish, if you listen to that whole album, it was meant to be listened to as, as an album. And it's, it's great, I think, if you're into like... Rock, if you were a 38 Special fan, like Matchbox 20 fan, and you also like like rock, I don't know, guitar solos and and lyrics that tell stories, then that's the kind of kind of music I guess Matt Black is. Matt with a e, if, Black with an E. <laughs> yep, but if you guys want to check and hear more of it, Gunroom Radio definitely plays matt black on there right. and uh definitely I've, I've become a fan i didn't know anything about it that's one thing that i honestly have liked about the gun room radio is all the new music and all the new artists that i'm discovering on there and i'm like gosh dang you know yeah. what i mean they get drawn out by all the you know the yeah, you know, yeah the, the noise you know the big yeah. things that the spotify promotes and all the other and there's always like a, you know, a collaboration of six or seven artists or three artists of the same artists. And they're like, they're always, that's all you ever hear and get subjected to. So yeah, it's awesome to be able to see, Oh, these guys are really cool. Oh, I would have never heard them if, if it weren't for gun room radio. And, and, and yeah, so it's awesome, man. I appreciate y'all doing that. It's amazing. Opened yeah, up a whole it, wealth of there's an opportunity for a top 20, you know, you yeah. just got to get your people out there and go vote so you can make that top yeah. 20. And there's going to yeah, be, be a little award for the the musician. I believe uh, Donald's putting it all together. I mean, Donald's really trying Weird. to build it up. I mean, Gun Room Radio has only been around since the May 1st or something like that. So oh, cool. it is so new. I mean, but uh, it is really gaining traction. And uh, I'm, I became a part of it. And we're now starting to seek for more radio DJs to come on and be a part of it. So that we can just have a, a real, you know, cool station where it's back to that interactive radio, you know, back to where yeah. you, you had interaction with the, the DJs 
and you had interaction with your listeners. It wasn't just stream it, play it, record it, you know. It's kind of Yeah, fun. absolutely. I love the podcast format, man. My buddy uh, Matt, uh, it's funny because his name is, is Matt Blake. And when every time I was posting Matt Black stuff, he was like, I thought I saw my name. I was like, damn. <laughs> I, always capture, I always get his attention when I post something for Matt Black. But he had a, a podcast you know, kind of long before podcasts were cool. And I went on it a couple of times. We had good times. So yeah, it's every chance I get, man, I'll get on a podcast. I love it. I love being in the room, like and, and cutting up too. It's fun and shit when you do that with other buddy, with your buddies, just bullshit and playing music and having conversations. It's awesome, man. I love it. So I'm glad I'm here by the way. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Cause I mean, the podcast world is kind of fun. It, it does, open up conversations it brings back a little bit of that camaraderie and you know that uh there's a little military banner there that that a lot of people don't know and understand that uh comes away with when you're a veteran or you served yeah and you, you know it's it's like not a lot of opportunities just in daily life i mean you see dudes with hats or you see dudes with a little sticker on the back of their truck or whatever or their car but i mean you're in a building or whatever you're in a bar you're in a restaurant you're not just going to go up and have a long conversation with the dude just because you're veterans right you like you kind of recognize sometimes like i guess that looks like he probably was in the military but it's like you know i nod to him but you never get into real good conversations unless you know i'm sitting on a plane stuck or something so right it's like it offers us yeah offers those missing opportunities that you don't normally get and like the you know like back in the day, our dads and stuff would go to the American Legion or disabled veterans or whatever, and go down and have a beer with other veterans. But those places are dinosaur dying now because they're all run by dying World War Two vets and Vietnam guys that are just dying off, and nobody, not a lot of people from our generation care. So. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's you can definitely see when you go into those type of things, you definitely see a lack of the younger generation in there. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, maybe it'll a change. lot of them aren't very welcoming sometimes. Too, they feel like they're a little bit, uh, yeah, you know, kind of dark and you know, just like smell like smoke and yeah, like yeah, yeah. So sometimes past. you know, not everybody feels like they welcome in there or. And they walk yeah. in there, it's so dark. There's everybody, and it's almost like the music turns off, and everybody's like, hey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, he's this son of a bitch. Yeah, you know, so uh, these young whippersnappers doing in my club. Yeah. They didn't serve in the real military. <laughs> <laughs> That's what every generation says, right? Yeah. Those uh, guys have it so easy. Exactly. Yeah. I know. But, uh, hey, man, is there any last thing that you would like to say or, you know, anything you might have left out? Uh, as far as music is concerned, no, man. Uh, uh, just stevedwilson.com and who is Matt Black. Remember to add the E at, at the end of both. Who is, or Matt, Matt and Black, uh, com. So who is mattblack.com. Um, doing Zach Brown's uh, Camp Southern Ground. They're doing a thing called... Uh, uh, Warrior Week or Warrior Song there and Warrior Week this year. Uh, as far as music events, I don't have anything on the books right now, like no functional events. Um, 
outside, unfortunately. So any uh, booking agencies or any anybody got any like festivals or stuff coming up, let me know. I'm happy to travel and play them. Uh, and I've just been writing. So, but as far as uh, one thing I do want to say is I definitely appreciate y'all and Donald Dunn and and uh, Gunroom Radio and everything that you're doing to be able to promote dudes like me and and veteran artists and to get us heard and to give us uh, you know just op, op, offer up a whole audience of folks who wouldn't normally get to hear us or even know like my, i've been in so many locations as a as a um, military brat and being stationed you know over the 17 or 16 years that i served that i know people from all different walks of life from college and just middle school elementary school here and there and they all have one image of me and some people just see me as a musician and then some people know me from my military career but like a lot of times never the tween shall meet they don't realize like oh he was a musician who also had a military career and vice versa like so it's social media has a, a tendency to like most people miss that shit you know you see what's yep. right in front of you on your feed but you never go into the about section and look about you know who is this person that i'm talking to what was their life really like you know other than seeing the occasional pictures and that they have family and this and that you kind of miss you know like middle school people you missed the last 30 years and high school people you really didn't pay attention to their whole career because you had your own shit going on so like i said without dudes like you and and y'all putting together podcasts and shows for for guys like me then we wouldn't we'd probably be obscure and like just wondering looking at our stats on our on our phones every day and wondering why nobody's <laughs> listening so <laughs> i appreciate it no i appreciate you coming on man and taking the time and, and coming on and talking that's one thing you know the, the podcast is all about it's bringing out the stories from people who don't really seek the attention but deserve every ounce of it and you know these are stories that uh, go left unheard there's so many stories from different walks of life and veterans that one day you know this is now recorded and it's going to be out in the digital world forever so one day someone may be looking back at this who knows way down long time look at those guys you know He looks so old, that guy, Steve. (laughs) Uh, I'm already at that level, man. I get the get the old man comments. I'm like, damn, I really, I've really transferred over into that. You know? Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, I live around all these twenty-something-year-olds too, so I'm like the old geezer in the building. But I'm like, should I put on glasses to hide my eye bags now? Because I look really old these days. Like, so, oh, yeah. here he comes. He's gonna spit some wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> comes old man winner. Steve Wisdom. <laughs> Steve D Wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I can- don't ask me for advice, man. I'm still trying to figure out all this shit. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, brother. Well, uh, if you could just hold tight, make sure we got a recording. I'll be joining you soon. But uh, thanks again, brother. You bet, my brother. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me, Brian. Have a good one. Absolutely. You too, man. Hold tight. All right, friends and fam. Well, that's going to wrap up another great, great interview and episode. If you guys can, go check him out, Steve D. Wilson. Go check out all his Spotify, Apple Music, all those places. Help him out also with Matt Black. And remember to add an E to both of those. And also, if you want a free sticker, 
just message me and I will send you a free sticker. Anybody, I got a couple of free stickers. Message me and I'll uh, send them out to you. But once again, I appreciate each and every one of you guys for watching, liking, sharing. Please continue to do so. Until next time. Arr.